0: The main thing is that you're producing content on a regular basis, where people have a reason to keep on coming back to your store, not just to buy things, but to also keep updated with what's happening.
1: Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Honest Ecommerce. This is the first episode that I'm recording in 2020. I almost said the wrong date. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and today we welcome to the show. Oh, by the way, I'm your host, Chase Clymer. I don't know if I said that already, um, but today we welcome to the show. Uh, this is my arch enemy and rival, uh, Kelly from the tap room. Kelly Vaughn, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for welcoming a rival on.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, Kelly and I have—we're uh, not rivals. Like we're in a mastermind <laughs> together. Uh, we're we're good friends. But she and I have uh, a very very fun competition, friendly competition going on between our agencies. So I like to just give her some shit. Um, but other than that, uh, Kelly runs The Tap Room, which is an amazing development shop down in Atlanta, Georgia. She also is uh, going to start hosting meetups for Shopify Plus stores down in that area as well. She is very active on Twitter. Uh, what is your Twitter handle
0: one more time? It's KVLLY.
1: Yeah, I was gonna screw it up. That's why I'm here. So she's she's got a lot of good content on Twitter. Uh, and she's now also a merchant, and she sells awesome developer-based clothing items. You probably have a better one-liner than I do.
0: It's merch for developers.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we're going to get into all of that today, but first, I guess let's get into the background. What what kind of led you here? Uh, not on the the podcast per se, but like what led you to kind of be an agency owner and, and get into this space
0: yeah, so I've been I'm a front-end developer myself. I've been coding since I was 11. I had my first freelance client when I was 14 years old. I was paid a T-shirt. I recommend paying your agencies more than a T-shirt. But it was a good deal for a 14 year old, so I wasn't complaining. And basically it just kind of took off from there, just getting more experience working with uh, with clients. And I went full-time freelancing in 2015, and 2015 is also when I started working with Shopify too. Maybe it was 2014. Years blend together now. Uh, but yeah, so I hit a point in my freelancing where I wanted to bring on larger clients, but working under my own freelance name and just partnering with other freelancers wasn't really cutting it. So I decided to rebrand to the tap room. And that was October 2017. So we're over two years old now.
1: And I met you right around, I think, that rebrand, maybe a couple months later. Um, yep. So our agencies are similar in age. Uh, well, we're a little bit older, but we didn't know what we were doing until we met Kelly.
0: <laughs> I take full credit for that.
1: Awesome. So, Kelly and I are both pretty active in the Shopify space with our with our agencies. Um, so, being agency owners, we deal with a lot of different e commerce businesses. So, the first thing we were going to discuss today on the show. Was kind of what separates uh, not the winners from the losers, but what are the successful brands doing and what are the traits of a successful brand uh, coming kind of from an outside perspective? So I know the first one that we discussed a little bit off air was uh, oftentimes is what separates a winning uh, brand from. I need a better analogy than that. Kelly, you got a better idea?
0: What sets the more successful brands apart? How about that?
1: Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. So, what we agreed upon was that they have like a content production system kind of built into the business. I know we see that a lot with lifestyle brands. And you know that's kind of something that separates drop shipping from a more uh, established brand as well as I think
0: I agreed. And I see a lot of direct to consumer brands really focusing on their content. And you, know, you don't have to be a direct-to-consumer brand to really be successful here. You can be selling other people's products. But the main thing is that you're producing content on a regular basis, where people have a reason to keep on coming back to your store, not just to buy things, but to also keep updated with what's happening.
1: Absolutely. What are some of the other traits that you're seeing uh, across the board with some of your m- more established brands?
0: the more established brands are definitely putting a very strong focus on mobile optimization. And it seems weird talking about this in 2020 as if it's a new idea. It's not a new idea whatsoever. I mean, we've been making websites responsive for mobile for years now. But we tend to focus so much on the desktop user experience because we're often running our businesses from a computer and not from your phone. So we often... Miss the little nuances that can go wrong in the user experience when you're actually shopping on mobile devices.
1: I think what might have happened was people were focusing on just checking the box that this is responsive versus this is a journey where I can actually do what I need to do.
0: For sure, and I think at a, at a certain point, it kind of just became a buzzword. Like this is like my list of things that I need responsive has to be on that list and you know we had we had people reaching out to us saying I need my website to be responsive but not knowing what that actually means so there was an educational component that had to come with that as well
1: absolutely so that's a that's kind of a a good pivot right there which is if someone is reaching out to an agency or uh, you know or reaching out to a developer I know you have a lot of experience there what is the best way to communicate their needs uh you know is it do a lot of research and come with a laundry list of idea, or just kind of come with a basic skeleton of it and let the you know agency come up with the ideas. What what do you think is the best way to approach an agency if you're getting to that level of your business?
0: What I look for most, what I see to be the most successful brands reaching out to us who need help, is knowing what they want their future state to look like or what they want their future state to be, but maybe not know how to get there we work with a lot of brands who are making at least 500,000 annually, anywhere from, you know, 2 to 10 million is where kind of where our sweet range is. And these are merchants who have gotten to a certain point in their, you know, business where they're they feel like they're they're doing a great job and I mean, if you're doing half a million a year, you're doing a great job, but they don't really know where to go next. They have some ideas, but they don't really know how to get that down on paper and actually, you know, build that out on their website and make it actually happen. So the, the more successful you know lead requests or... Yeah, I guess lead requests that come in are the ones who have an idea of where they want to go. They don't need to tell me how to do it. That's what the agency exists for. And quite often, we can usually take your ideas and shift them a little bit. That's going to be more optimal for your brand because we often get ideas from other stores like our competitors. And we fall into this trap of wanting to copy them. And your brand is very unique, and you need to be focusing on what's best for your own brand.
1: So I shouldn't have a laundry list of requirements and and hand those to you in a brief.
0: I prefer not to have that.
1: So what what separates kind of like a laundry list of requirements from you know just explaining to me or explaining to you what the job is to be done?
0: We help frame what the job is to be done. That's kind of our role as the subject matter expert here. We are the ones like you're hiring us not just to do what you want us to do, but help tell you what it is that you need to actually continue to grow. So I'd rather know more about your goals and your future state, and you know what you envision the business looking like, and then let us guide you there.
1: Um, how many times does someone reach out and they want X, but at the end you actually end up moving towards delivering Y? Um... Not wise in the word, but like, you know, they wanted one thing, but you were actually, you come up together and you deliver something completely different. And, you know, why does that happen?
0: It happens all the time, again, because we focus so much on what other people are doing and not necessarily what we need to do. So we help kind of position what it is that you need to actually be doing, if that makes sense.
1: No, it does. I see oftentimes people are like, I need to move this button here and I need to, uh, Change this like page design to look like my competitor, and then if you unpack it a bit more, and it's like, well, why do you want to do that? And it's like, oh, we want to increase our conversion rate, and you're like, well, if that's the actual issue, here's what you should really be doing. And then you know, and that's how working together with with subject matter experts such as myself or Kelly is really going to change your business. Uh, you're looking for someone that has you know some experience here and can take your ideas. And help you grow the business as opposed to someone that just executes on what you want.
0: And that's what really sets agencies and freelancers apart from people who can just do what you ask them to do versus those who are actually guiding you to what you need to do. And then of course, doing it.
1: Absolutely. I think uh, once people stop referring to themselves as a freelancer, and they start referring to themselves as a consultant, is when they've made that shift where it's like, what you want may not be what you need, but I want to help you. And then you have more conversations.
0: That's totally true. I think another, another comparison there is being a vendor versus being a partner.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: We don't want to be seen as just another vendor that you're working with. We would rather be basically an extension of your team.
1: Yeah. I think when you're going and hiring a partner, they're a team member, they're not an employee. And you need to remember that you're hiring them for their expertise. Uh, you're not hiring them just to do what you say. Um, and some people need to hear that out loud.
0: Yep. And I do want to bring back one point that you brought up where you kind of unpack what we're saying and you ask why they want to move the button to the left and why they want to make the change to a certain page. We're kind of like the toddler that's learned the word why and we just want to keep on asking why, 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 why. I know it can be kind of annoying, but I promise that we're just trying to unpack exactly what it is that, that you really need at the, you know, at the very base level.
1: Yeah. So actually, that's probably... That's a key takeaway from this is if you're going to reach out to someone to help grow your business, tell them what you want done and then also say why. And that will give us way more information and allow us to really help you so much better and cut out half of a phone call because the first question we're going to have on that phone call is why.
0: Yep. That's right. So... I have another big optimization tip. Go ahead. I see certain brands do better at others is their support system. And I'm not talking, you know, I have friends to talk to, like I have Chase to talk to. I'm talking your customer support. Like, do you have chat on your website? Do you have like a really solid FAQs page that outlines everything that a customer might need to know? Are you quick to respond to emails? Is it the same person responding to the emails in like a specific email chain or does it switch from person to person to person? I see the more successful brands have a like a really solid customer support strategy in place, and it doesn't have to be like an expensive setup. You don't have to hire a huge team of of you know customer support people. There are other services out there to actually help kind of streamline it for you.
1: I saw a wild stat on Twitter yesterday, and it's so funny you brought this up because I was talking about it this morning. Is was talking about ticketing. And customer service platforms, and it was a comparison between the lifetime value of a customer that had reached out to support versus the lifetime value of a customer that had never interacted with support. And the people that had reached out and opened a ticket through this brand's website, their lifetime value, I want to say, was like almost double.
0: Yeah, it was like two or three times more. It was it was nuts.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely find that uh, and hopefully link to it in the show notes. But that just goes hand in hand with what Kelly's saying here mm-hmm. is. If you can support your customer and answer their questions, they're going to want to buy from you again or for the first time.
0: For sure. Can I plug an app that I really like? Go for it. Octane AI. It is fully worth the expense that you would pay for it. It basically allows you to create a, a conversational kind of customer support strategy through Facebook Messenger. And you can like, pre-load in the common questions like you see on your FAQs and it lets people basically like click through menus to find out how much things cost and what shipping might or how long shipping might take and like basically whatever is most relatable to your brand. How do I clean certain items? I mean you can do literally whatever. And then that really speeds up the customer support time for you and you know lightens your load because you're not having to manually respond to each of those uh, customer support requests.
1: Yeah, they have a, an extremely powerful solution over there. It's got a lot that you can do, and I know that they wrote a playbook on kind of how you can set it up. And that thing is thick. I <laughs> they printed it out and they were walking around a conference with it uh, last fall.
0: It's daunting, but it's well worth the time to read through that playbook.
1: Yeah, but once you get it set up, you're gonna have so much more support for your customer, which is gonna. Immediately a payoff and actual revenue in dollars for the business for sure. Let's be honest today. All of your customers are going to have questions, and what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous, and Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard, so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. So speaking of businesses, you launched a Shopify brand yourself. So now you are not only a consultant, but you're a merchant. Uh, what is that experience like?
0: It's so much fun because it really puts into perspective the things that I recommend that my clients do. And apparently, I'm a really bad client to myself because I don't do anything that I'm recommending that I call my clients actually do.
1: Yeah, that's the classic case of the cobbler's kids have no shoes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's been it's been really cool though. I'm really thankful that I have such a large audience on Twitter because I was able to very quickly push out my products and and begin making a profit basically on day 1. Actually, I had people guarantee that they wanted to buy some things before I even opened up my store, so that was pretty cool. Definitely a unique position to be in. But when it comes to making changes to the store, adding new products, Customer support's easy. Uh, I don't get too many uh, requests coming in and they're pretty quick to work with. But email marketing, like Facebook ads, just posting on Facebook and Instagram, I'm really bad at it.
1: So you're starting to see some of the limitations uh, that other clients of yours might be running into. You're like, you're right, there isn't enough time in the day.
0: Exactly. Especially when I'm trying to run, I've, well, three businesses now, because I also have a podcast. And so we're trying to run the tap room, record for our podcast, and do the support for that. Since I do the business side of things, and also run my store, it becomes you know something has to take the back seat, and it's been my store for the most part. So I can only imagine like one man shows or one woman shows focusing solely on their store how they could possibly get everything done. It's it's impossible.
1: Yeah, and that's that's wild to me. Uh, you launched the store when.
0: I launched it at the end of July last year, I believe.
1: And you have just celebrated your 2,000th sale. That is insane. Yeah. So that that is uh, a considerable uh, milestone. There, uh, I think the first couple sales are something to applaud at, but getting into the thousands is insane. So, other than your audience, what did you what do you think was some of the reasons that your store and your brand actually got off the ground? Because I'm assuming that some of our listeners are about to launch or they have launched and you know they're having some struggle finding that initial traction.
0: Yeah, so once you start getting like one of the first things I did which I think was really beneficial for connecting with my customers is I have an automated email that goes out the day after somebody places an order that's just like a plain text email so no like email template or anything like that that just says hey thanks so much for purchasing something this is you know a new a new business for me. And you're know you supporting me and I really appreciate it. I'd love if you could post a picture of what you received once you receive it. And I get replies to that email saying, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. This is an automated email. And I'm not doing any heavy lifting here whatsoever. And people send me pictures and they post on, on social media. And I'll just retweet them. And those pictures result in more sales of other people wanting to buy the same thing
1: absolutely user generated content and then you know take it a step further and you could put it into your email blasts or you could put it into your advertising you know that is an amazing little system you build out there
0: yeah yeah also i finally added reviews to the site i was really slow to add reviews which includes i'm using judge me for reviews and uh, I, I... People are also uploading photos that way too because it gives you the option to upload a photo. And people are like, "Oh yes, I happen to have this picture of my mug, so I'm going to include it."
1: You missed out.
0: And people look at them
1: on two thousand reviews. You missed out on.
0: I know. No, I actually didn't because I sent an email. I backdated all of it. So even though I submit or I installed the reviews app like maybe December, I think like early December, I emailed everybody who had placed an order before that saying, "Hey." really appreciate your business. I finally have reviews on my website and I'd love for you to leave a review for the product you received.
1: Yeah, that's something that I think anyone should do if they aren't currently doing reviews and they want to do it and they're like, "Well, what about all the old stuff?" you know, that's a, you know, you can do that. No one no one really cares.
0: Exactly. And you know, you might get fewer people responding to it. It might result in some customer support requests, which happens. That's totally fine. I'm more than happy to help them. But more pe- most people were more than happy to go ahead and leave a review. I'd definitely say maybe set a, a an end point to how far back you want to go with reaching out to previous customers. Like if your products have like a, a limited lifespan, like if it's food or something just that is perishable, don't go you know two years back when they've forgotten what it's like to have whatever it is that they ordered from you.
1: Absolutely. Um, what are some other tips that you'd say for the the small merchant that's looking to grow their brand?
0: Consistency more than anything. And I know we already talked about the, the content component, but for small brands, it's so important to be posting consistently, updating your website consistently, posting on social media consistently, across you know whatever uh, social media platforms you're actually using for your business that make the most sense. For me, Twitter is the best since I already have the largest audience, but I also have Facebook a Facebook page and also an Instagram account. And the user-generated content gives me basically free content to post on social media too. But that consistency and getting the getting off the ground, and, you know, getting started is really important. Also, most of your friends are more than happy to like your Facebook page or follow you on Instagram to support you. It's a really easy way for people to support you without actually having to spend money. So don't be, don't like hesitate to reach out to people you already know and just ask for their support that way.
1: Absolutely. Um, and is there anything else that you want to share with the audience uh, before we go today that I didn't ask you?
0: Um, there were some other questions that came in earlier. You want to go through some of those?
1: Yeah. So me and Kelly are in a. This is actually a good topic to talk about while I'm looking those up. So me and Kelly are in a Slack channel with a bunch of other agency group, uh, agency owners, uh, and me, Kelly, and two other people are in a small mastermind. And I think for any agency, not agency owner, but any business owner in general, so this this is even e commerce stores, get in a group of like minded individuals and talk about your businesses on a very strict cadence. We do it biweekly. We all get on a call. We all talk about the ins and outs of our businesses, and it has changed all of our businesses. I, 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 at least it has for me. How about you, Kelly?
0: Oh, absolutely. I've learned a ton, and I've made some really great contacts. Like Chase, you and I became better friends, and the you know we formed this little competition between us, like within our agent or our mastermind. That keeps us all motivated as well. We get to celebrate each other's wins. We get to help each other through our losses and just pain points and everything. It's it's really really valuable, and I think it's something that's like building that support system outside of your store for other business owners. It can be really 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 helpful.
1: Yeah, and the concept of a mastermind comes from I believe the book is Think and Grow Rich, um, and I believe they also kind of talk about it again uh, in uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People uh but you can jump on the google machine and learn how to run a mastermind yourself um i believe that there are a lot of free resources out there for you to kind of build a mastermind with like-minded individuals on your own uh there are also some more paid ones depending on how you perceive value you know go out there and get it um so i finally pulled up the questions that people commented kelly and they are <laughs> definitely related to e-commerce oh totally the first one is is what's your spaghetti recipe
0: so there is a fun story behind the whole spaghetti thing. For my podcast, which is called The Lady Book Podcast, it's uh, three of us who just... Uh, three women in tech talking tech career and code. Somehow we've gotten onto this inside joke that I make spaghetti all the time. And it's not really an inside joke because I do make spaghetti all the time. Um, I don't have a super secret spaghetti recipe. I use Mids spaghetti sauce and add uh, ground turkey in there and Put a ton of spices in it. Really easy.
1: So with, if I want to go and listen to your podcast, learn more about uh, women in tech, learn more about how you make spaghetti, where do I go?
0: You can go to ladybug.dev.
1: Awesome. And how often are you guys putting out content? And you know, what's the structure of the show?
0: Yeah, we put out new episodes every Monday morning. So you can always listen to something new there. We uh, It's the 3 of us who host it. And then we also mix in some interviews with other people. So there are a lot of really good entrepreneurship episodes on there. Um, there's one specifically with the CTO of Shopify that Shopify merchants might find interesting. That's from the previous season.
1: Awesome, and then uh, I think I do have a serious question here from Nick. So Nick DeSabato asks, uh, "How do you delegate work?"
0: How I delegate work. So I have been growing my team uh, for the past two years since I started just by myself as the tap room. Um, most of our focus is on development, and I find we do a lot of retainer work. So a lot of a lot of clients who keep on coming back to us on a regular basis. I find our contractors, our our contractor developers, are best for these jobs because I can guarantee when their work schedule is going to be. For project-based work, I give those to our full-time employees because they have a little bit more wiggle room with having to switch between projects or maybe jump on to to do a bug fix for another client. I try to keep the work that I do now to a, a minimum as far as development work goes because it's very difficult to wear my developer brain and my business brain at the same time.
1: Absolutely, I have gotten kind of out of the action of doing, but every once in a while I jump in there, and I love strategizing and you know getting into it. For sure. Awesome. So if people are picking up what you're putting down and, and they like uh, like you and they want to learn more about you, you know where should they go on the interwebs?
0: Yeah. So you can visit our website at thetaproom.com. You can email me at kelly@thetaproom.com. At that's K-E-L-L-Y. You can find me on Twitter at kvlly. Yeah, I think that's it.
1: And if I want to pick up some awesome developer merch, where do I go?
0: You go to kvlly.com.
1: Awesome, Kelly. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm going to win the competition this year. No,
0: you're not. Thank you. (laughs) All
1: right. bye. Bye. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.